Good morning. Good morning. Amen. It's good to be with you again. Yesterday we had a a great time at our affordable Christmas Christmas store, and uh, at our affordable Christmas Christmas store, what happens is uh, we we get gifts donated in between two campuses, uh, Fellowship Bible Church. We saw. 551 gifts donated. Give yourself a hand clap. Yeah, yeah. It was great uh, to see all the generosity. We thank God for the provision. And then we had 130 volunteers who took part in the whole affordable Christmas experience. Amen. Let's give a hand clap for those who volunteered their time. All right, all right. And then they were able to walk beside um, 47 families from our community as they shopped for 119 kids from our neighboring 501 school district. Amen. And so uh, it was just a, a great thing. Um, I, the reason I, one of the reasons I love the affordable Christmas store is that it makes the parent the hero. Right. Since no kids are allowed in the store, the kids never get an idea that anyone but their parents had part in making their Christmas. And so that is a, a great thing. Um, and just seeing the conversations that happen as they gather around snacks and had those times together. It was just a great time yesterday. And so um, was Jeremy and Carol and Sarah uh, and just their outreach team did such a great job and leading that experience. And so we thank y'all guys for coordinating that so that we can be a part of partnering with our community. If today is your first time being a guest here at the Highcrest campus, I want to welcome you and let you know that as I speak today, you'll see some page numbers on the screen that correlate with our um, main passage for this morning. And that page number correlates to the uh, page numbers that are found in the blue Bibles that are on your seat. If you don't have a Bible, then you can take that one and, and, and take it as a gift from us to you. If you don't have a Bible that's easy to read, then you can take that one and use it as a gift from us to you. Or if you know someone who doesn't have a Bible or doesn't have one that's easy to read, then you can take that one and give it to them as a gift from the both of us. This morning, we'll continue our, our um, Advent sermon series, and, and it's based around the Nativity. And so our passage for this morning comes from the New Testament. The Bible contains both the Old Testament and the New Testament. And the New Testament starts off with these four books known as the Gospels. And the Gospels simply record the, the life and times of Jesus as he walked the earth. And the first three of those books, those four books, are known as the Synoptic Gospels. And, and so what that simply means is it's a big word to explain that it tells the same story, but from different points of views. For instance, when I go to sporting events, I sit in the nosebleed seats. And so the angle I see of what happened at the game is a lot different from those that have floor seats at the basketball game, right? I got to go to a KU game once in my life, and I was sitting behind a pillar up in the rafters. I think I heard more of God than I did of the game that day. And so the perspective is a little bit different, but it's the same story. We're, we're at the same game. I heard more rock chalk than I did of, of net swishing, but it was okay. 
And then you get the fourth gospel, which is the gospel of John. And if you're coming to the worship, uh, worship night tonight that we're going to be doing over at the U.S. campus, the combined worship night, I'll be talking about that tonight. But our, our series, we're taking these continual steps inward toward the story. Last week, we covered Herod and the wise men. And this week, we look at the shepherds as we take another step in in the story. And so this week, our, our passage is in that third book. It's in the book of Luke. And it starts out in the second chapter with verse 8. And if you're not already there, would you join me there? And this is what it says. It says, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Then suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glories surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, uh, praising God and saying, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just As the angel had told them, this is God's word. So uh, a family in Palestine might have had one or two sheep that they kept personally. But um, for the large flocks um, required full time shepherds and, and probably a couple of hired hands. Shepherds um, often cared for the sheep of a whole village during that time. And a shepherd's job was to provide everything that a sheep needed. That was food, that was water, that was clothing. I mean, food, water, and protection during that time. And the Bible um, has a long history of shepherds. Abel was the first shepherd mentioned in Scripture. And then we see that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were also shepherds during that time. A shepherd's work was not only important because the wool provided clothing and the meat provided food, but also because a lamb had to be sacrificed each year during the Passover. What is the Passover? The Passover was this time uh, during the nation's history when they were slaves in Egypt and, and God allowed his wrath to pass over those families who took a lamb and it spread the blood of the lamb over their doorposts. And by that way, they were able to keep the wrath of God at bay against the nation. 
Now, despite their important role in the Jewish community, shepherds faced a great deal of prejudice. And, and, and when the a nation of Israel went into Egypt, the Egyptian leaders considered them unclean, and so they kept them isolated. And by the time of Jesus, the Jewish people in that community kind of despised shepherds. One of the things I was mentioning to uh, the worship team before we came in, I said, um, despite their important role, uh, shepherds were looked down upon kind of like garbage men in our day. There's not too many of you that are parents that, that would say, go out and be a garbage man, son or, or daughter, even though being a garbage man is a very respectable career. And although we look down upon it, what would our communities look like if we didn't have garbage men that were there to service us? That's the kind of situation that our shepherds were in during this story. That's how they were looked upon. So the Jewish leaders in the Roman Empire, who were the major world power at that time, when they thought about shepherds, they considered them one of the lowest class of peasants, in their words. And just like the the poor and the homeless and the disabled and all of the others who are looked down upon in our society, shepherds were seen, but they were unknown. Even in our time, see, we can ride down the street and we can see the homeless there. We can walk out of buildings and we can see the homeless there. But do we know them? There were a group of people who were often seen but unknown. So when we get to our passage this morning, we come upon a situation where God works through the unknown to deliver a message of renown. Luke wrote both this book and the fifth book of the New Testament called Acts. Luke wrote more of the New Testament than any other author. Luke got his information for these books from doing interviews, and one of his main interviewees was the mother of Jesus, Mary. And this should bring us to ask the question, why out of all of these stories that Luke could have shared, why share this one? Let me tell you something. If, if you're in this time period of history and you wanted to build credibility for the story that you're collecting, you might not want to start with your messenger being someone of a despised career. And you might not start by interviewing and your main source of information coming from a teenager who has a premarital pregnancy. Why would God choose these ways? Why would he choose this story to share? Well, through the shepherd's story and Luke's writing of this gospel, the key principle that keeps coming up is what God makes known to us is to be made known to others. The question, though, is what is it? What is it that we're supposed to make known? What did God make known to us, to Luke, and to those shepherds that we're supposed to make known to others? It's the good news. And what is the good news? The good news is the gospel, that it's a, a Savior is born, that, that who is the Savior? He is the Savior is Christ Jesus, the Lord. 
But what makes him so different? What makes him so special? What makes him any more valuable than these lambs that we're slaughtering year after year? What makes it, us want to embrace him and, and, and go to him rather than this system that we already have built in? Why change things? Hmm. There's a couple of things that are different between these lambs that we're slaughtering and our Savior, who is Christ the Lord. The first one is that, that our Savior, who is Christ the Lord, drives away fear. Before Adam and Eve sinned in Genesis 3, it said that man and God enjoyed a perfect relationship. They would even take walks together every day. Humanity was designed to live in a uh, perfectly in sync relationship with the all powerful loving God of the universe. But from the point of the original sin, something happened immediately after the original sin. Man, hid. he was afraid of being rejected by God and, 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 and the one that designed him, the one that he was designed to be intimate and vulnerable with. Now he was Afraid of being rejected. And still to this day, we fear rejection and failure, not only from God, but also from others. But if we were completely filled with God's love, then we wouldn't care so much about what other people thought. We fear the future and circumstances, but if we knew God perfectly and that he is good and he's in control, then then we would trust him. And we wouldn't be afraid of death because we would know that we would get to spend eternity and forever with him. But when we threw off God's rule for our lives, it broke the relationship with God and we were filled with fear and subject to terror. And therefore, we live with a distorted heart that causes us to fear trusting God. And that fear caused the shepherds and causes us to be threatened by the presence of the holy. See, what happens is when God's glory appears, it always highlights and intensifies our deepest fears. Let me say that again. When we're exposed to God's glory, it always highlights and intensifies our deepest fears. Why? Because we're separated from God. So the angel, however, had amazing news. They shared an amazing message. The angels told the shepherds that while the sheep that you are watching may keep God at bay, the Savior who is Christ the Lord will let you embrace him. What am I saying here? I'm saying that the fear that inhabits the deep places of our souls can be dispelled for good. Are we using Jesus to keep God from getting us? Or are we using our relationship with God through Jesus Christ to get all of him? The Savior who is Christ the Lord is different from these lambs that were being slaughtered every year because he drives away fear and next is because he's to be beheld. The older translations of this biblical text um, would, would start out with fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings. And the modern translations like we're using today usually omit that word behold. But, but there's actually a, a Greek word in the text 
that corresponds with that word behold is, is actually literally there. And the angels were literally saying, do not be fearing, be perceiving, for I'm telling you the gospel. This is the principle. Behold and you won't fear. If you take time to comprehend what is in the gospel message, it will remove the fear that has dominated and darkened your life. And to the degree that you truly behold, gaze at, uh, grasp, savor, internalize and rejoice in the gospel. It is to that degree that the fears of your life will be undermined. You can't you can't. There's no other way to overcome the fears that are in your life. But then the good news of the gospel. The angels told the shepherds that you're working hard to keep watch over the sheep, making sure that you don't lose them. But now you can rest because the good shepherd, the savior who is Christ, the Lord is born and he's going to watch over you. When we spend time in the word, are we looking at it or are we beholding it? The difference between these lambs that were being slaughtered and, and the Savior who is Christ the Lord is that he dispels fear. That he is to be beheld and that he brings great joy. See, the old system of sacrifice provided the people with a sense of relief. You know what I mean. <laughs> that time when you were speeding, you're like, whew, I didn't get caught that time. Right? That time you snuck in the house and it was like, whew, I didn't get caught this time, or at least mama didn't let that belt go this time. Right? That time we was out doing God knows what and God knows where at God knows what time of morning. That time of morning where your mama used to tell you that only postmen and criminals are out at this time of night. Come on, now some of y'all don't have, y'all know. Come on, you didn't heard that one. You ain't got no time, you ain't got no business being out in the street at that time of night, son. You need to be in the house because there ain't nobody out there but post me any criminals. But mama, we was having fun. You just keep on. <laughs> Taking me back. I had some flashbacks. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Sorry, mama, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I didn't get that. Oh, sorry, you see that reflex right there, the catch the bell reflex? And so, let me continue. Let me continue. Yeah, yeah. They had this, this system of sacrifice provided this relief that, whoo, God didn't destroy us this time. Whoo, that lamb thing worked again. Whoo. We didn't have to pay the cost for our sin that we deserved this time. But the shepherds were watching the flocks and the flocks that they watched allowed the nation to have some sense of relief that they didn't get and have to pay the personal cost of their sin this time. But the Savior, who is Christ the Lord, brought the joy of knowing that there was someone who would pay for their sins throughout all of time. They didn't have to keep up this act. They could finally have rest. How much of your life do you feel like you're in this in this Groundhog Day movie? <laughs> I tell you, I have toddlers and I feel like I'm forever changing diapers. 
But God, the angels told the shepherds that you can finally have real rest. The difference between Savior, the Savior who is Christ the Lord and these lambs is the Savior who is Christ the Lord. He, he, dis, he drives away fear. He is to be beheld and he brings great joy and it's for all people. And see, this, this agreement of the Passover was between God and the nation of Israel. It offered no promise to other nations, but the Savior who is Christ the Lord fulfilled the promise that was made to Abraham all the way back in Genesis. But it would bless all the creation for all the time. Are we treating the good news like it is a personal and private news or are we treating it like it was the fulfillment of a promise made to bless everyone and everything. How do you know? How do you know if if you believe that the Savior who is Christ the Lord uh, is good news for all people? Uh, one of the signs that we believe that the Savior who is Christ the Lord is good news for all the people is when we make him known. And we make him known. And there's some tremendous things that follow. There's some tremendous things that come with it. The first one is when we make Christ, who is the Savior, known, it brings glory to God. Only once before in Scripture do we see where um, humans get to hear angelic praise, and it's found in Isaiah 6 and 3. Now, in verse 14 uh, of our passage this morning, the angels praise, explain the benefits of Jesus' birth. And and these angels describe glory to God in heaven where he dwells. And and God revealed his glory by sending his son. And and we ascribe glory to God when we go out and make his son known to the world in which we live in. Do you know how you spot haters in your life? You spot haters in your life because they can't see it or bring it to find it in themselves to help anyone else around them shine. Because they fear it's going to diminish their shine. When we don't make Christ known, we're hating on God. We are hating because we're refusing to give the people in which we live around a hope an answer for the hope that we have within us. And we do it because of either a fear, rejection, or not feeling personally like we're in control. Why hate when you can congratulate the father for all he did by sending his son? When we make Christ known, it brings glory to God and, and it also brings peace on earth. Peace in the Bible is not this, this general, uh, this no carefree, uh, this carefree, peace, tranquil thing that we think about sometimes. That's not what peace in the Bible is. Peace means the end of hostility and warfare. The Bible says that the most fundamental and important peace is peace with God. And so the human heart wants to be king, and, and, and because of that, it's, it's hostile to the claims of God over its life. And until we see our hostility to God's authority, then we won't know the reason why we do most of the things that we do. The reason we do most of the things we do is because of our hostility toward God. And how does this hostility to God's authority look in our life? Well, from the from the unbelieving perspective, this hostility plays out in this. It it says, I want to live the way that I want to live. Why can't I do what I want to do when I want to do it? I'm grown. See, but here's the deal for the believer. Here's how it says. 
It says, I'm going to obey the scriptures. I'm going to read the scriptures. I'm going to do all these things. And God, you better give me a good life. See, when we do what we do in order to get heaven or to get God to give us a good life, we're not trusting God and we're not obeying his authority, but we're trying to rule God. We're trying to work a deal with God. We're seeking to be our own savior. And both of these strategies are hostile to God. They don't allow him to be sovereign or our savior. We're saying we can do it on our own. The first steps towards peace with God is to recognize that there has been some conflict. And one of the ways to do that is to say that what? Oh, not only have I done bad things, but the good things that I have done have been to be my own savior, to keep myself on the throne of my own heart. And so I need to be saved by sheer grace because even the right things I do, I've done for the wrong reasons. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus tells his disciples that all of them are capable of being peacemakers. Peacemakers are people who, through the grace and peace of God, have finally learned how to admit their flaws and weaknesses and how to surrender their pride and how to love without the need to control every situation. Let me, let me remind, let me say that one more time because we're about to have some Christmas lunches and everything, some Christmas lunches that are about to happen, some Christmas dinners with families. And there's going to need to be peace in the room. (laughs) Peacemakers are people who, through making peace with God, have finally learned how to admit to flaws and weaknesses, how to surrender their pride, and how to love without the need to control every situation. How might that change our holiday time? These new skills have enormous power to resolve conflict, to to facilitate forgiveness and and reconciliation between people. And Christians should be spreading out to the world and being peacemakers between God and man, between uh, races and classes and between family members and between neighbors. Christmas means that through the grace of God and the birth of the Savior, who is Christ the Lord, and and, and that if you make peace with God, that peace is available. And once we make peace with God, then we're able to go and make peace with everyone else in our lives. That's what it means. Therefore, Christmas means the increase of peace, both with God and between people across the face of the world. And the more of us who take on the task of being peacemakers, the better off the world will be. We can't depend on the government. We can't depend on a good program. God has placed that responsibility upon us to go out and be peacemakers in the world in which we live. When we make Christ known, it brings glory to God. It brings peace on earth and it brings curiosity. In verse 19, it says that Mary did two things when she heard the message that the shepherds heard from the angels. One of them is described using the phrase that she thought about them often. The Greek word uh, used here means to put into context, to connect, to 
to make things link up together. And what it's saying is this. It says for us to respond in the way that Mary did when she heard this message from the shepherds that they got from the angels. It would mean that when we read the scriptures, we ask the questions. What does this mean? How does it tie in with all the other things that we know to be true? Uh, um, Where does this fit in the rest of the Bible? Uh, Do we read the Bible to say that we have done so or do we do it in a time in a way to ponder what we've read because we want to glorify God and be at peace with God and man and through knowing the Savior who is Christ the Lord we do it in a deeper way is it a checkbox or are we pondering is it bringing curiosity Making Christ known brings glory to God. It brings peace to the earth. It it brings curiosity and it brings treasure. Uh, The second thing that the scriptures say that that Mary did when she heard this message was that she kept all these things in her heart. She treasured them. And and thinking about the, the message speaks to the intellect of Mary while treasuring the message speaks to her emotions and heart. When we study the word of God, it shouldn't be just a a, a mere intellectual exercise, but it should move our affections. It should move our hearts. It should cause something in us to stir when we read God's word. But when we study God's word, it shouldn't be something that just moves our affections, but it should inform the way we move and live and have our being. It should be both and the same at the same time. Treasuring the word of God means preaching the word to yourself. It means asking yourself the questions. How would my life be different if I really believed this from the bottom of my heart? How would it change my my thinking and my feelings and my actions if I truly believed this? How would it change my relationships? How would it change my prayer life and my feelings and my attitudes toward God if I really believed these things? Making Christ known brings glory to God. It brings peace to the earth. It brings curiosity. It brings treasure and it brings transformation. Making Christ known transforms the dead to life. It transforms the broken to heal. It transforms work to ministry and it transforms us. All too often we have our, our, our past, our favorite author, our favorite podcast, our denomination, our gender, our favorite style, and on and on and on. And because of these things, we disregard the message that is being delivered. In the story of the shepherds, as shared by Mary to Luke, it should tell us something. It should tell us something that's really important. It should tell us that the message is not the person that God has chosen to deliver it. If the message is true, if it's going to help us know Christ, then we need to listen because it will bless us and in turn we'll be able to bless others. Sometimes we'll hear someone speak and we'll say, well, they're boring. I didn't like them. I didn't like the way they presented. Was it true? If it's true, then we should listen and we should get something from it because it will bless us and we'll be able to bless others. If you're here and you're not making Christ known because you have a low view of yourself, there are a couple of things I want to leave you with. And here's what they are. First of all, the God of the universe gave up control. He took on flesh and allowed himself to be in a position where someone like you would have to feed and clothe and care for him. 
And if that's the case, then that ought to cause you to be able to trust him. It should also allow you to see how much he values you. And if he values you that much and you trust him, the way that you begin to learn how to trust him is doing what we call stepping across the line of faith. You step across the line of faith when you start off by saying, hey, there is conflict between me and God. And because of the conflict that exists between me and God, I deserve to be punished. But since I can't pay the bill that I've ran up, God in all his grace and mercy decided to send his son. He decided to send the word that spoke a life into being to take on flesh and to die for my sins. He covered the bill for me. Christ picked up the check. And those that believe that it's solely by his birth, death, and resurrection that we are able to have a relationship with the God of the universe, to them is granted eternal life. If you've never made that commitment in your life, if you've never made that step in your life, then I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. In a few minutes, I'm going to pray and give you an opportunity to do that. It won't be the prayer that moves you across the line. The prayer is just an act of thanksgiving. It'll be you surrendering your heart. It'll be you acknowledging that there exists some conflict. It'll be you saying that only Christ could pay the cost to resolve that conflict. That's the first thing. And the second thing I want to let you know that if you're not sharing uh, and making Christ known because you have a low view of self is, is that when you have the best story that you don't have to be the best storyteller. And the gospel is the best story that has ever existed. All throughout scripture, we see that that God doesn't need impressive messengers. He just needs the willing, obedient messengers. And one of the ways we make him known is by going public with our decision to follow him through baptism. If you've not taken that step, then take it today. Don't wait for another good time or when everybody is perfect and when mama and them is here. Do it today. If you don't have clothes, we'll have somebody um, doing this song after our pray at the back closet that is willing to meet you there and give you shorts and shirts in which you can be baptized today. We have towels today. You can make that happen today. You can take your first step of obedience today. Don't wait. Do it today. Let today be the day that you say yes to God, that you say yes to obedience, that you say, I'm not going to wait any longer to 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 follow God and what he's asking me to do. If that's your next step, then we will be happy to walk beside you as you make it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for being a God who is persistent, 
who's merciful, who not only sees but knows. When sometimes the world we live in and and just the sinfulness in our own hearts can make us feel like we're not good enough, that we don't measure up, that we're not the one that should tell others about you because we have this thing going on in our life and we have this thing in our past, we're thankful that you still say, yes, I want you. You still invite us in. That you want more than to just be at arm's length with us, that you want to embrace us. That you offer us an intimate relationship, not a distant one. Father, help us to have the same sort of eyes that you looked upon us with. And help us to look at those around us and not just to see them, but to want to know them and make them feel the same warmth and love that we found in you. Father, if there's someone here today that's been trying to bargain and barter with you. I pray today they find rest. They find that it's been finished. That their receipt was nailed to a cross 2,000 years ago on a hill called Golgotha. And that they no longer have to work for your favor, but it's been earned through the work of your son, Jesus Christ. And all they have to do is accept. And Father, if there's someone here that hasn't gone public with their faith in you, Through your son, Jesus Christ, I pray today would be that day. I pray today would be the day they stop waiting. I pray today would be the day they stop finding excuses. I pray today would be the day that they say, here's when I took my step. That they look back on this Christmas season, this Christmas of 2018, and they're saying, that's the day I said yes to God. That's the day I stopped fearing rejection from God and man. That's the day I made it known who I stand with and who I stand for because he stood for me. He's standing for me. He loves me in spite of all my flaws, in spite of my past, and in spite of my downfall and the things I continuously do wrong. He loves me in spite of me. Father, be with us. Move not only our minds, but also our affections. Let our hearts be stirred for you. Let us be a passionate people for you and your cause. Let us go out, Father, and be known by your Son, Jesus Christ. We pray these things in your darling Son, Jesus' name. Amen.